Well, welcome to Country Christian Center. We're glad you are all here today. Okay, let us open in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the sunshine and the snow and just all the seasons, Lord. It's uh, just thank you for the ski trip yesterday and all the fun that we had. Lord, I just ask that you'd be with the service today. I ask that you would bless it. Help us to uh, just open our ears and our hearts to hear what you have to say. We ask this in your name. Amen. Have you ever thought about the term heaven on earth? It's this term that, you know, is in the Lord's Prayer and... Um, well, it's on earth as it is in heaven is the, is the phrase. And so, you know, there's these two, like, separate realms or dimensions, you can say. You've got heaven and you have earth, right? We live on the earth. God lives in heaven. And so I, I just think about these two different things. Because at first, they were one. When Adam and Eve lived in the garden, it was all one. God walked with them in the garden on earth. So you had this combination of heaven and earth. But of course, sin, it can't compete with the goodness of God. There was the fall, right? And so sin doesn't go with God's goodness. Injustice doesn't go with God's justice. The ugliness of the world, the state of our world now, doesn't go with his beauty. So, you know, you see the, the story of the fall and and how God redeems the earth through the Israelites, right? He gives them kind of an option. It's real tedious. You have to do all these animal sacrifices. But that animal sacrifice, like, kind of clears this little space where we actually get to stand in the presence of heaven, or the Israelites in this case, got to stand in the presence of heaven because of that sacrificial lamb. So it was kind of just that start of that heaven on earth coming back together. And, you know, this is all going to point to Jesus, right? So, because the, with the law, it was so limited to the tabernacle, to the place where the sacrifices were made. So let's try dive into some scripture here. I'm actually going to go to the New Testament and Hebrews chapter 13. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Remember those in prison, as though you were in prison with them, and the mistreated, as though yourselves were suffering, suffering bodily. Marriage is to be honored by, by all, and the marriage bed kept undefiled, because God will judge the sexual immoral and adulterers. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Let me read that verse again. It's verse 6 of chapter 13 of Hebrews. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations 
since those who observe them have not benefited. We have an altar for which those who worship at the tabernacle did not have a right to eat. For the body of those animals who blood, whose blood is brought into the most holy place by the high priest is a sin offering burned outside the camp. So you see that, you know, that it was a sacrifice that they had to do in the tabernacle. And it was actually burned outside the camp. Which kind of brings us to the next place, right? Jesus. He is the one that fulfilled the law. And so let's read on in, in Hebrews 13. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the gate, right? The cross was outside the gate of Jerusalem. So that he may sanctify the people by his blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace. For we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is, the fruit of the lips that confess his name. Right? We're going to do that when we sing our songs of worship today. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share. For God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey your leaders and submit to them. And it's talking about the leaders of the church or our, our spiritual leaders. They keep watch over your souls as those who give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are convinced that we may have a clear conscience, waiting to conduct ourselves, or I'm sorry, wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. So Jesus fulfilled the law, right? He came and he told us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you see these little different spots here where, like, Jesus went out and he was telling people about the kingdom to come. He was spreading his gospel. He was spreading his righteousness among this earthly realm and bringing heaven on earth. And the cross, that fulfilled it. And that's how we get to participate now. And, and this verse here, I've never really thought about this, but let us go to him outside the camp bearing his disgrace. Jesus was disgraced on the cross, right? And so we get to tell others about his disgrace because that, that disgrace is our righteousness. So we get to spread that message throughout the earth and bring that little bit of heaven on earth. And, you know, we have a kingdom yet to come. And it'll be, you know, combined into the new heaven and the new earth. And that's what we get to look forward to. But we're here on earth right now. So I want to talk just a little bit more about this. This spreading of the gospel. This community that we're a part of that gets, we get to encourage each other to spread the gospel. So let's turn to one more scripture here. It is Isaiah 32. You know, my family each year um, kind of looks back on the previous year around the new year, and we usually pick a word for the year. And, um, and so as we look back on the previous year and kind of recap what we did, we get to kind of see how the word kind of work throughout the year and if it fit and things that we need to work on and stuff. But we also pick a word for the next year. 
And so the word I picked for this year is actually two words. I kind of broke the rules. Quiet confidence. And I'm going to read the scripture that it kind of comes from. So Isaiah 32, starting in verse 14. Now, we were talking about the kingdom of God that's supposed to come, that is coming, and that we get to spread here on earth. So kind of the title or, or the, the, the title of this chapter is The Righteous Kingdom Announced. So we're talking about this future kingdom. For the palace will be deserted, the busy city abandoned. The hill and the watchtower will become barren places forever. The joy of wild donkeys and a pasture for flocks. Until the spirit from on high is poured out on us. Then the desert will become an orchard, and the orchard will seem like a forest. Then justice will inhabit the wilderness, and righteousness will dwell in the orchard. The result of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be a quiet confidence forever. Then my people will dwell in a peaceful place, in a safe and secure dwelling. So, you know, as... As I grow in Christ and as I grow as a man, like, th this quiet confidence is, you know, I think the King James says, like, it's an assurance, a quietness and an assurance. And that's an assurance, or I can't say that right, but it's an assurance in, in my, my faith in Christ, in my righteousness that I receive through accepting Christ. And then I get to spread that righteousness to others, just like you guys do. So remember to rest in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Boldly spread the kingdom of God on earth. Let's pray for the worship time. Lord, we thank you that we get to come before you today and, and gather as a community. Lord, I ask that you be with us as uh, we just bring an offering of praise. Lord, bless that time and, and bless the worship team as they come. We ask this in your name. Amen. Good morning. A little bit of sunshine. If you're sitting in just the right spots over here, like where Craig is back there, uh, don't fall asleep. I'll be keeping my eye on you back there. Uh, I got to go skiing yesterday as well, and it was a fun day. And I'm not even sore, so I'm amazed that I've not. Uh, tonight we are having the uh, marriage class that we're going to have, and it's it's appropriately titled. It's called "Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage." And if you've not ever heard Mark Gunger speak, um, he's quite funny. To listen to, but he doesn't, he doesn't skirt around different issues, he pretty much hits things straight on, and I just really uh, appreciate what he has to share, and that he's not, um, he's not trying to sugarcoat anything, he's just pretty much saying it the way it is, sharing experiences from his life as well, so if you want to come, it will be here in the sanctuary today at 4.30, and we're looking forward to that. Um, there will be, I also was going to say, there will be child care provided, so if you have little ones, and you you, you're welcome to bring them. There'll be a place for them and someone to watch them. So just so everybody's aware of that. Um, we finished Galatians last week, and we're going to go right into Ephesians. And I, I look ahead in Ephesians, and as I look at different things that come up in Ephesians, I start to question whether or not that's the place to go. But, you know, I, I've, I've, I've enjoyed going through books like this because what it does is it forces me to look into different topics that come up because I know that I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to try to share what the Lord has showed me, and so it really forces me to dig into it a little bit more. And so we are going to go through Ephesians. There are some very interesting topics in Ephesians that we will get to. 
<clears throat> but we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. <clears throat> Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. In him, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him." In him also we have ob obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Father, thank you again for your word. I just pray that as we read it, as we study it, as we learn more about it, that you would reveal your truth to us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So Paul is writing Ephesians, and Paul is writing while under house arrest. So he can't really go anywhere, and he's got time. And uh, so he is writing here, and he's writing to the people of Ephesus, and also it's thought that this was also maybe a, a, a circulatory letter, so it's written to the people of Ephesus, but then passed on to other people in the area as encouragement. And he's just, again, reminding the church of God's goodness. He's sending these letters to places that he's been, he's ministered to, he's, he's stayed there for, for lengths of time, and, and now he's writing a letter just to encourage them. Sometimes it's to admonish them, always to encourage them, and there's a lot of different things kind of all the way in between there. <clears throat> so he, he starts with his normal greeting that he usually starts with. And then he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, I'm going to read several different scriptures this morning in, in talks about different things that are happening here that Paul might be addressing. The first place we're going to go is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of your, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the tradi traditions which you were taught, whether by word 
or our epistle. Now, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Christ, God chose you. He chose us. He created us. He wanted, he wanted to um, dwell with us. He wanted us to be with him and he created us and he chose each one of you to be with him. And I don't want, let's not overlook this thought that God chose you. He chose you. He wants to be with you. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to work through you. It wasn't a mistake. You're not a mistake. God chose you. And then it says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught. <laughs> so again, in Thessalonians, the same it is in Ephesians, the people are being encouraged. Stand fast, hold fast to what you've been taught. Don't stray from the things that you've been taught. Don't get distracted. God chose you. He chose you for a reason. He chose you for a purpose. Let's not get distracted from the things around us. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1 <clears throat> Verses 21 and through 23. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Uh, last week we talked about what we, uh, what we sow, that's what we're going to reap, and it's just, again, saying he... he he chose us, and he wants to present us. He wants to be able to present us blameless because of what he did, not because of anything that we did. It has nothing to do with what we did. It has everything to do with what he has done for us. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. That's where our hope is. Our hope is in the gospel. <clears throat> John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. He's talking about people. We are able to be adopted into his kingdom, into his family. He wants to adopt us as sons and daughters of his. How incredible. If you really think about what's going on here. Uh, another one that says, um, 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. This is God that's talking, and he says, I will be a father to you. What an incredible blessing that is, that we can look to God as our father. Now, everybody has different relationships with your earthly father here, but we can, have, we can all have the same relationship with our heavenly father. He wants to be your father. He wants us to be his sons and his daughters. He wants you to be a daughter of his. He wants you to be a son of his. He chose you for a reason. <clears throat> uh, 
First uh, John, well, excuse me. Yeah, that's where I'm going now. First John chapter 3. In verses 1 through 3, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. We have the privilege, we have the opportunity to be called the children of God, the children of the Most High God. The world didn't recognize him when he came in in. In the Gospel of John, it talks about he came and the world didn't recognize him. And so why do we act surprised when sometimes we are trying, when not sometimes, but hopefully always, we're trying to live for the Lord and we're doing the best that we know how and the world doesn't recognize us. But it's because they originally didn't recognize him. He came here, the, the, the Old Testament and all of Scripture points to Jesus and when he finally came, they didn't even recognize who he was. They didn't even acknowledge who he was. And so when people don't acknowledge who Jesus is, it has nothing to do with being against you or I. It's, it's not wanting to acknowledge who Jesus is. And if we are ambassadors of his, why would it be any different than when they didn't recognize him when he came? <clears throat> In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. We have redemption. He came to redeem us. So not only did he create us and he chose you and I and he wants to work through you, but then after we rejected him, he sent his son Jesus to come and provide a way for us to be redeemed. So after you look at all of these things that God has done and, and Jesus coming and dying and rising again, and it really makes me start to feel quite insignificant because there's, I realize that there's not anything that I can do to help. I, if I think that I'm going to do something to help God, that's not, that's not how things work. Yes, God wants to use us and God wants to work through me and he wants to work through you. But if, as soon as we start to think that we are somehow in some way uh, assisting God and he really needs our help to make this thing work, we've, we've, we, we kind of got mixed up on our thinking. Because it's God who uses us. It's God that's done everything for us. He even provided a way for us to be redeemed. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all, all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And in, in Ephesians, it starts to talk about having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. I want to um, read Romans chapter 16, a couple verses there. Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. 
Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith, to God alone, wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. He starts talking about the mystery of his will. What in the world are they talking about? The mystery of the will of God. And it's been in, in Romans, it talks about how um, it's made, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations. I said several weeks ago that everything in scripture, and I just want to repeat, everything in scripture points to Jesus. Everything. And so the mystery, when it's talking about the mystery of his will and the prophetic things that have happened, this is all what the whole Old Testament and all of Scripture has been pointing to. The mystery of his will was his plan for redemption for us. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, even before that, God had a plan. God had a plan to redeem us. And he uses the whole Old Testament to point people in that direction and, and, and give people ideas of what's to come and prophesy what might be going to happen. And then he sends his son to live here and walk on the earth and then to die and to rise again to fulfill all of those prophecies that were talked about. That is what the mystery of his will is. The mystery of his will is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This was talked about, it was foretold, it was prophesied about all the way through scripture. And this is what the mystery of his will, it's the gospel. It's his plan of salvation. It's his plan of redemption for each one of us if we know and believe who he is. To continue in Ephesians, verse 10 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. <clears throat> now you look around our world today and every once in a while we hear somebody talk about uh, uh, somebody or the, the, the people that are in charge, the leaders, and, and you hear from other countries and we need to come up, it's been, I've heard several times, we need to come up with a one world currency. We just could have the same money everywhere. Or if we could just have the same government everywhere controlling, all the rules would be the same everywhere. Well, there already is. That's already been established. Which he, the world keeps trying to set up a one world government, a one world order, one world, whatever you want to call it. And they're looking in all the wrong places. And this is no surprise because we know that the enemy can do nothing but copy what God has already set up. And God has already set that up. There's already a one world leader. There already is. His name's Jesus. Not everybody recognizes who that is. But someday, someday everybody's going to. There's already a one world, world ruler, and that's Jesus. There's already a one world currency, and that's his blood that was shed for every person that has ever lived or will live. It's already been done. It's already there. The enemy can't do anything except for copycat. He can't do anything except for try to recreate what God has already created. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. 
Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Someday when Christ comes, every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. And that is our one world leader. For now and forever and always will be. If we're willing to acknowledge it. People in the world today are not willing to acknowledge that. Because they don't want to maybe admit that that might be right. And if that's right, that means that the things that we have been trying to do might be wrong. And I don't know about you, but I don't always like to admit that I'm wrong. Jesus has already come. He's been here, and he's coming again. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be be should be to the praise of his glory. You know, God called each one of us, he gave us, a, he called each one of us individually, he gave us a purpose, we have a purpose for this life. And I want to read out of Acts, because he gives us a purpose. And I just, I like the story of Saul. And I've shared this before, but it fits with what we're talking about here, because God, Jesus came to Saul. Saul has been persecuting Christians. He's been dragging them out and throwing them in jail. And then God, Jesus meets Saul on the road to Damascus. In Acts 26 and verse 15, it says, So I said, this is Saul, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith with me. It says, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan, (coughs) excuse me, to God. Can you imagine the 180 degree turn that happened for Saul right here? And what better person for God to say, I want to, I want to (coughs) send you and I want you to open their eyes. I'm going to use you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. Because that's exactly what's happened to Saul right here. And from the power of Satan to God. Saul is going one direction and God meets him and Jesus meets him on that road and transforms his life and turns him exactly the opposite direction. But what better way, what better person to use to do what God is doing? And what better people than you and I? God can take us from right where we are and he can change our desire, he can change our heart, he can change our passion and he can change it for him. God has a plan for your life. He chose you. 
He chose each one of you and has a plan for your life. He's revealed the mystery of his will, and that's the gospel that we are supposed to take and we're supposed to share with people. Ethan, I appreciate what you shared this morning. <clears throat> and then if we go back to Ephesians It says in him, verse 13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance. God has adopted us as sons and daughters which in turn gives us his inheritance which is eternal life. It's life spent with him and he's adopted us and given us that Inheritance. He sent his Holy Spirit kind of as a reminder or as it calls it a guarantee uh, or a, um, a seal. He'd sealed his promise with the Holy Spirit coming. And the Holy Spirit reminds us, the Holy Spirit continues to work in us and work on our hearts and remind us of things that we should do and things we shouldn't do. And that was God's seal of the promise that he gave, that he has adopted us and he has given us his inheritance. We will get to live with him forever. The Holy Spirit is kind of like a guarantee that Christ is going to come again. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 8. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit, as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. This is something that we have to look forward to. This is the inheritance that we have to look forward to. It's not that we want to hurry up and get, okay, you could take that however you want to. We are not supposed to exit this life early because God has placed us here for a purpose. He's given us a purpose for being here. But when we do leave this life, we get to be with him. So to be absent from the body here means that we get to be present with the Lord. That is exciting. That is what we're living for. That's what we're looking forward to. Not to neglect the purpose that he's given us here but to always be living and always be working and always be thinking that that's what our eternal inheritance is, is that we could just spend it with, with God. We look forward with anticipation to the day that we get to be present with the Lord. <clears throat> Luke chapter two, 21 25 through 28. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea, and the waves roaring, 
men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those, those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. Now I don't know how close we are to the return of Christ. <clears throat> I know we're closer today than we were yesterday. That's about as much as we know because he doesn't tell us when he's coming. People have tried and they've tried to predict when it's going to happen and then they missed it and then they have to re-predict and come up with a new date and they missed it again. Nobody's going to know. It says nobody knows the hour. But he is going to come. And it does say you look for these signs of things that are happening in the earth and some things that happen in different Things that we experience, it sure seems like it's getting a lot closer. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. Everybody's afraid of different things. But when it's something that you're afraid of, it sure seems like this is getting a lot closer. But you know, the, the answer isn't to live in this fear. The answer is to live in the hope of our eternal reward. We live in the hope that Jesus is going to come back. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. He's already won the battle. So I don't know, we may go through, we go through things here that are hard. They're hard for where we live now and, and for what we know physically and have the way we can think. They're hard. <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is that our final destination is not here anyways. Because when we're absent with the body here, that means we get to be present with the Lord. And that's exciting. And so it really makes no difference what happens to us here if we're here and we're living the life that God has called us to live. Then what are we afraid of? What am I afraid of? What should I fear? There isn't anything that I should fear. I still do because I'm still human. But really, if something happens to me here, I get to be with God. Couldn't be any better than that. I enjoy life here. I do. I really do. And I hope you do too. But we can enjoy this life and we can still enjoy eternity with God. One more verse that I want to end with. <clears throat> it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Very familiar. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who, were not, who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 1 says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Do you know what the purchased possession is? It's you and it's me. God purchased us. He redeemed us with his blood. We are a purchased possession. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. You are special to God. You matter. He cares about you. And he's going to come again to redeem his purchased possession. He redeemed us once with his blood. He's going to come back again and take us home 
to be with him. And that is exciting. And that is the reason that we live. That's the reason that we have hope. And that's the reason that we keep going every day here in this life. Because things here are not always easy. But if we can keep our focus and our mind on the hope that Christ has given us, it will make all of the things here seem maybe not quite so bad. They're still hard. They're still difficult. But our hope is not in this world. It's in the world to come. Stand up with me if you would, please. And let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for the hope that you have given us. Thank you for the purpose that you've given us. Thank you that you chose us. You chose each one of us. Lord, you want to spend time with us. You want us to spend time with you. Lord, I pray that you would keep our focus on you and what you've done for us and, and that when we are done here, we get to spend eternity with you. How exciting is that? But Lord, help us not to overlook the purpose that you've given us here. Lord, help us to go out this week. Help us to see people as you might see them and help us to share your love with everyone that we meet wherever we are, whatever we are doing. Open our eyes to see. We love you this morning. We thank you for each one that's here. I just pray a blessing as we go from here this morning. In your name we pray, amen. You guys can be dismissed.